Hello, everyone, and welcome to King's Talk, presented by Cap City Crown. This is Tony with me. As always, we've got John. This is the first podcast since the start of the season. The Kings are 2-1. Darren Fox might be a little injured. Kevin Herter hit a couple threes the other night. Man, you know, lots going on. Three games in. John, break it down for us. Um, you want me to break down the whole thing? Dude, what do you think, just, what do you think this is? King's Talk? I want you to break down minute by minute of each quarter of each game, starting from game one against you know, that's, the Jazz. Kind of what I do with my notes for the games. One time my sister looked at it and she's like, John, this looks like you look like a schizophrenic. The way you just <laughs> have like every detail written down. I don't know if that's schizophrenia, but you know. Yeah. What are you gonna do, you know? Sisterly love. Yeah, you know, it's a nice it's a nice thing every once in a while. But um yeah, I guess the big picture, two and one start. Obviously that Warriors game was you know, very inconsistent and a pretty lousy loss for the most part, despite Fox's heroic efforts in the fourth quarter. But in all, this is a pretty good start to the season. And the big thing, obviously, coming into this year was defense. And you see it, the, the Kings are adamant about playing good defense. And the physicality thing is producing fouls. Like you saw, the Lakers, I think, have 23 free throw attempts in the first half on Sunday night. Jeez, and really? I didn't even notice. 23, but they um, – yeah, and, and like Mike Brown said, it's like that really kept them in the game. That kind of put them in a position to end up taking the lead early in the fourth quarter and forcing overtime overall. Because um, they were they were up 41 to 21 after the first quarter. Yeah. And, I mean, they really should have like – that should have been a more convincing win. But taking all things into account, you know, they, they only allowed 11 free throw attempts to the Lakers – in the second half and and they made the adjustments that they needed to in terms of keeping up the physicality, not fouling. And I mean, I think they looked really good on opening night. I think that adjustment in the second game or the third game was great. You know, the Warriors game, you know, they turn the ball over a lot. Their transition D this season has been really bad. I think that's really been maybe the overall kind of biggest gripe I have with the team right now, but I mean, this is a way better start than last year. And, you know, they, they, you know, they beat up on the Jazz. Okay. The Jazz are a decent team. They're, I don't know if they're necessarily a playoff team. And they were really adamant about using that zone defense, which was very bizarre. But Kings handled their business on the road like they did all of last season. They lost the home opener to the Warriors. But I think that that Lakers win was really nice. And I think Katie Christensen said it well on the broadcast. Um, I do give compliments to Katie Christensen. I don't just try to, you know, tear down her opinions in the <laughs> articles. But, you know, this really – with the Fox injury and everything like that, you really see the depth of this team. And, I mean, of course, it's like, yeah, no no shit. Malik Monk is really good. He's a six-man-of-the-year candidate. But it's like – he's like a little mini Fox. Like, he scored 11 points, I think, in the overtime period. Yeah. And, I mean, he was just – he was terrific. This team just looks so good. I mean, we were talking about – should we worry about Kevin Herter? And, you know, obviously Kevin Herter's really got himself back on the right track, especially in that Sunday game. But, you know, even if Kevin Herter, we were always talking, like, even if Kevin Herter's not really figuring it out, it's like they got guys. I mean, Duarte and Colby Jones is waiting in the wings, waiting for his opportunity. And I just think this is a really positive start to the season. I think I'd give it like a, a, a B plus. I think that Warriors game was a pretty – 
odd thing, but they're going to have a chance to go into the Chase Center on on Wednesday night and and, and right the ship there, I guess, and, and even things up with Golden State, which I think would be really big. They might be without Fox. There's a good chance, but that's kind of my assessment of the first three games. You have anything to add to that? I mean, no, not really. I've been super happy with it, and I would give it probably about a B plus two just because that Warriors game. And I, I mean, my my two biggest gripes, I guess, so far would be that Warriors game, and then, like you said, I mean that that first half with the Lakers, kind of letting the Lakers get back into it. I think they could have had, you know, they should have had a much larger lead. They were up what twenty one, you said at one point. And I'm like, ah, oh, the Kings are just gonna blow them out. I get it, you can't blow out every team, but. I think they had a chance to kind of end that game a little earlier than it did. I mean, it went to overtime. I don't think that it should have gotten that close at all. But, hey, we got the win in the end already. And, yeah, like you said about the Warriors, we have a chance to go into the Chase Center early on after getting beat by them and get a little revenge game, I guess, again. <laughs> revenge times two right here. Yeah. So, and it, it's, a real, it's a real shame that Fox – I mean, I'm assuming Fox is not going to play on Wednesday. He might. I mean, we discussed before the podcast started – it's not a serious ankle sprain, but it's an ankle sprain that I think Sam Amick and Shams Cherania, uh, I can never know if I'm saying that name right. Yeah, I don't either. I have no <laughs> idea. Is it Shams, Shams. or Shams? I'm know. pretty sure it's Shams. Or is it okay. Shams? Well, Shams just sounds like he's like a scammer, which now they can't go any <laughs> further sh- with that one. Sham. <laughs> it's, it's a sham. Everything he posts is a sham. Yeah, but it's a no shame. Idea. Let's assume Fox doesn't play on Wednesday. That's a real shame because one of the things that happened in the Warriors game, obviously, was the fourth quarter heroics of De'Aaron Fox. And you texted me during the game and you said, like, man, like, why doesn't it's a shame Fox can't bring that? And I was like, I think I texted you back. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of like a heavy load to ask of a guy. But De'Aaron Fox said after the game, I think the exact quote was something along the lines of like, we've talked about it before. I think I got to start being aggressive you know, throughout the game, not just in the fourth quarter. And that I think is mostly true. I think against teams like the Warriors, against teams like the Lakers, good teams, you got to be able to do that. Obviously against the Jazz, I think Darren Fox only had 18 points. They had, they spread the love. Harrison Barnes was getting open looks and he was obviously had a great first half there. So there are certain times where he doesn't necessarily have to do that, but De'Aaron Fox getting aggressive early in the game really sets a tone that I think is necessary. They were up 41 to 21 against the Lakers in the first quarter. De'Aaron Fox was aggressive. He was constantly pushing the ball. He had 10 points in the first quarter, 11 in the second. Out of the gate, he was aggressive. And one of the things that Mike Brown said about the Warriors' loss was that, you know, he complimented the Warriors' ability to collapse and disrupt passing lanes and get deflections and steals. The Warriors, I mean, the Kings obviously had a lot of turnovers in that game. And Mike Brown talked about he doesn't, you know, he didn't think that the ball movement was very good in that game. He felt like guys were dribbling too much and, and, and trying to get too deep in the lane. Well, if there's a guy that you do want to get too deep in the lane to kind of cut into the lane, it's the guy that really is almost unstoppable when he does that, which is De'Aaron Fox. And when you had De'Aaron Fox doing that against the Lakers, as opposed to what happened against the Warriors, where he was a little more, it was a little more in tune with the first quarter of the Jazz game, it, it began opening things up. I mean, Fox had ten points in the fourth in the first quarter against the Lakers, but the whole team scored forty-one. I mean, they had a terrific period. That was probably their best period of basketball all season, and it, it just 
it really underscores the idea that opening the game, setting that tone, it's not only good for Fox to be able, well, now he's scoring, you know, I think he's averaging 31 points a game this season. You know, that obviously helps his cause in terms of like making another all NBA team, maybe being an MVP candidate, all that stuff. But the important thing, obviously, is winning. And it opens up so many other things for the team. Obviously, Fox was not the only reason they scored 41 points in the first quarter, but I think he opened up so much for them. And he had the defense. Now, clearly, I don't know if the Lakers are as necessarily as talented defensively as the Warriors were. I mean, the Warriors looked pretty good defensively for a lot of that game on Friday night. But they had to pay urgent attention to De'Aaron Fox because he was getting in the lane, because he was pushing it all the time. I think he had three assists, and just the attention that they had to focus on for Fox, it just it just allows other guys to get involved. And Fox knows it. It seemed like you knew it, Tony. I think it's an important thing for, for De'Aaron Fox to, to get started early. So that's why it's a really big shame that with the second game against the Warriors in such a close proximity to the first game against the Warriors and not having Fox, not being able to do that, because I think that would have been a really good insight to kind of further that assumption that Fox not only helps himself, but helps really the whole team by getting aggressive early. Because I would really have liked to be able to see Darren Fox do a little bit something similar that he did against the Lakers, against the Warriors in San Francisco on Wednesday. But ankle sprain, they said he's going to miss some time. I think that means there's a good chance he'll probably miss Wednesday. We don't know at this point. Maybe he plays. But yeah, Fox getting aggressive. I mean, again, you texted me about that first, I think, uh, midway through that fourth quarter as he was really shrinking that gap. Uh, how do you feel about that? I mean, what do you see when, when you know, what was the difference between early in the Warriors game versus early in the Lakers game? And, and what does that kind of open up for the team? I mean, I guess I wasn't, I mean, if I thought about it a little harder, yeah, I mean, you're totally right. It's just Fox, you know, scoring, get going earlier, it opens up a lot for everyone else because now all eyes are on Fox early on. Uh, but like another big thing to me that, you know, stands out when I'm like, why can't he do this all game? Because it just feels like, man, too little, too late now, Fox. I mean, the dude scored 22 in the fourth quarter against the Warriors. I believe it was 22. And and we still lost, you know. <laughs> like, usually when a guy scores 20-plus in the fourth, you are you might be on the winning side of that ball game. But, like, like, and like you were saying, if you can just get that going earlier, maybe not try to be catching up so much. And then again, letting everyone else, you know, kind of benefit from him going off because they're going to get more open looks from him too. And that will, you know, either cut the lead or just, you know, maybe they'll be in the lead. So I just, I, I love his fourth quarter heroics. They're really fun to watch. But like I said, sometimes it's just too little too late and he needs to get that going earlier for himself and for his teammates. So they're not down double digits in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And I think the fact that he recognized that, I mean, obviously that's been something we've talked about a lot. I think maybe February or March of last year, we were talking about maybe, well, does Fox need to have a different kind of rotational window? Does he need to kind of, because he always leaves the game about what, like six minutes into the game, about five mm-hmm. and a half minute mark to the six minute mark somewhere in there. And it's like, we, we were like, well, maybe they need to consider a rotational shift there to kind of keep him in the game, allow him that runway to take off and, be more consistent throughout the game. But really, at the end of the day, and I, I realize this now, that's really 
not so much on the coaches or whatever. That's it's, it's up to Fox. We talk about that a lot. I mean, especially with the leadership of Fox and Sabonis, so much is up to them to be vocal, to take initiative, to set an example and set a standard. And that is the perfect way for De'Aaron Fox to do that. And I mean, he recognizes it. I would expect him that whenever he does return, he's going to pick up where he left off. And again, the important thing is because that whole issue of whether or not that's a too heavy of a load for a guy to carry for, I mean, he's not playing for 48 minutes, but for the whole game, that, that is something that obviously comes into play, but not all teams are the, you know, playoff contenders. I mean, the Warriors and Lakers admittedly are, are good. You know, they're good teams. They're in your division. Those are always tough games. You see them a lot. They know you, you know them. Those are, are the type of games, you know, and maybe against tougher Eastern Conference teams or teams like the Nuggets and whatnot, you're going to want to see that from Fox. But he doesn't have to do it all the time, you know. Obviously, against the Jazz, not 100% necessary. You know, you'd like to see it if he, if need be. Yeah. I mean, it, there's a sustainable way to do that. And I think he recognizes that. I think that's crystal clear to me now. And I think a lot of people, I'm sure a lot of fans and people who have a finger on the pulse of this team, would agree with that. Yeah, Fox. I mean, Fox looks like one of the best scorers in the NBA right now. He seems like he can get to the rim on command, and he's just a great finisher around the rim in general, and that mid-range is really good. His three, I don't know if it's looking better. I don't know what he's shooting exactly. Didn't he have a really, really good three-point game like the last I, two games? I want to say he heated up late against the Warriors. Maybe he didn't start off the best from three. Um but I think the Lakers too is pretty good all game. But I I, yeah. I don't know. It's still early on to tell. But sure. I mean, other than that, it's just I mean, he he's picked up right where he left off in those playoffs, you know. He looks great. I I mean, I really think this guy can score thirty a game. And like I'm expecting him to, especially when they need him to. Like that mm-hmm. Utah game, whatever. Like the Utah we we were clearly the better team in that game. Fox didn't need to step up and we still smoked him, right? So but like in the Warriors game and Lakers game, and I mean he did. I mean, what he score in the Warriors game? 37, 39? 39, I believe. Thirty nine, and then thirty seven against the Lakers in a big game too. So, I mean, we know he it, we he has it in him. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a big load for him anymore. Like maybe he texted me like, yeah, it's a big load for the full game. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> that rate he was scoring in the fourth quarter in the Warriors game. Yeah, I mean that's a huge load. He would have scored like eighty points in the game, but um. I mean, at least, I mean, I see him being able to score 30, and I want him to take those shots. And when he's scoring, it helps out the whole team just because, like we've said a million times already, he's, he's got himself going, and it opens up looks for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the I Jazz want- made it. The, well, go ahead. No, yeah. I, no, I, I don't know. <laughs> I was, was going to go back to that whole uh, Will Hardy really hugging on to that zone defense because that really just allowed the Kings to shoot the hell out of the ball from the outside and yeah wanted but Harrison Bucket scored 33 in like the first or what do you have 29 he scored 27 in the first half gotcha was was that a record for like him for like an okay yeah oh maybe for maybe for an opener yeah something like that I feel like there was something but we're not talking about Harrison Barnes here. You know, we keep talking about fourth quarter Fox. It's time to start talking about first quarter Fox because if he sets the tone, you know, obviously it's great. I mean, that was one game where he did it, but you saw it kind of where it didn't happen against the Warriors. And then in the exact next game, he came out as aggressive as ever. And uh, it made a huge difference. I mean, that 41-21 first quarter, I mean, that's 
Yeah, that's crazy. crazy. I really thought we were just going to blow them out of the water. It seemed like it really did. Yeah. But, I mean, the Lakers are a good team. And we beat them. Might have gone to overtime. Keegan Murray was like an inch from nailing that game <laughs> with that three. And he looked good, too. I, I, I was going to have some critiques for Keegan Murray coming into today, but he really redeemed himself yesterday. No, really, after, <laughs> did you see... Um, the Vizinkov? Yeah, that, that move. Or, <laughs> like, yeah, because I'm like, dang, Murray's really not doing too much in this game. I don't, I don't know if he did too much in the Warriors game. I don't know. I guess just kind of talking about Murray real quick, if we're done with Fox. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. How, how do you feel about Murray? I, like I said, I I was gonna come into some with some critiques, but I mean, being that third playmaker or I maybe mean, not playmaker, but scorer, I just don't see that with him yet. He just still seems like a spot up shooter. And yeah. I know we wanted a big step, and taking a big step would be creating his um, own shot off the dribble. And he did have a nice little move late in the game where he was in the three point corner. And he faked a three and then dribbled up for the mid-range. Not the craziest of moves, but definitely kind of trying to find his own shot, open shot. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Other than that, I haven't really seen him be super aggressive yet with the ball or have any like great moves where I'm like, oh, like that looked really good. He just seems he just comes off as very like timid and shy still, kind of like he did last year. Yeah, I think he's trying to find a balance. I I don't know if he was because he missed. I think his first. Four outside shots, jump shots, I guess, because I think mm-hmm. there were a couple mid mid rangers in there. So I couldn't tell if he was hesitant because he wasn't believe, believing in a shot. But that's almost hard to believe because I don't know if we saw that too much last season. It just felt like he moved off of. I mean, those open those shots that are within the rhythm on the offense and that are good looks. I mean, like just take those. I mean, that is going to always be your bread and butter is to hit an open outside shot. I mean, he's. I think he's the best shooter on the team. And I think Mike Brown kind of thinks that too. Obviously, Kevin Herter and Vizenkov are extremely good. But I just think we talk about it a lot with 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 Murray. It's just about him adjusting. And he, he makes quick adjustments. Mike Brown brought it up again. We bring it up all the time. He brought it up on Sunday night. It's just like, you know, the ability for this guy to adjust and, and have the mental toughness after, I think, three or four poor games in that playoff series against the Warriors. I think it was maybe game four. When it was already over, he hit his first three, and then he closed out the series extremely well. And he uh, he became a, the weapon that they needed him to be. Obviously, it didn't really pay off. They lost the series, but that jump, that that ability to make that adjustment, it was clear as day. Same as early in the season when he went through that November slump that was really a combination of adjusting to the NBA and off-the-court matters and whatnot. Powered through it, got better. And he never really slowed down. I think there was a point after the new year came where it was like, oh, is he kind of hitting that rookie wall, the proverbial rookie wall? Nope, quick quick adjustment, boom, right back where he went. So him being more aggressive in terms of putting the ball on the floor and being a little bit more of a scoring option in the way that you know he can go get his own shot, I, I agree with you. I think you were kind of saying he just hasn't looked too good at that. I don't know how – he's not super nifty with the ball in his hands or whatnot, but just finding that balance and being able to – find the best shot and, 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 and do that because he has such a mindset, especially working out with Darren Fox, having such a good rookie season, having the belief of Mike Brown. I mean, Mike Brown said of him, you know, he was talking about healthy competition on the team. He's like, obviously Fox and Sabonis don't really have to worry about that healthy competition, which is him basically saying nobody's going to take their jobs, obviously. But then he kind of said, and Keegan Murray a little bit too. I mean, so he's right up there. 
in terms of that kind of echelon of player on the team. And the belief is there. I don't know if he's going to be like burning people up, putting the ball on the floor and like getting to the rim and whatnot and finishing and all that stuff. But having it in his pocket, using it and balancing it out while still using the outside shot, the open jumpers that this offense produces for him being the mainstay of his, of, of his attack, basically, you know, it just, I guess it's just balancing all that stuff out. And I just think it'll be interesting to see over the next week or two how that happens, because I, th- I figured that, more so than being hesitant because he didn't believe his shot was falling, which again, I don't know that we ever really saw, you know, he, he didn't back down in the playoffs. I don't think he really gets on, gets down on his shots, but just knowing that he wants to be that kind of third scoring option, but still also taking the shots that come to him. So he's just got to find that balance. And I think he's, he, he did that. I mean, he made an in-game adjustment technically mm-hmm. and, and, uh, I would, I would imagine that it gets a little better. I'm not totally sold on him. Like he's averaging 16 points a game this season through three games. Okay. That's, I don't know. You know, it's a lot better so than I thought. will he <laughs> average 16 all season? I don't know. I, I could see him averaging over 15, maybe getting or, or over 14 and a half because he was a 12.2 per game score last season. I think a, a two point, two to three point upgrade from that would be substantial in what is kind of expected. But 16 mm-hmm. points a game, I mean, like, I, I do feel like he's he's kind of figuring it out, and he's only shooting 34.5% from three so far. So, again, kind of letting everything settle in, having him find that balance. I mean, that's the thing with Murray. It, it, he's still a second-year player. He doesn't have the, the trust of the coaches, of the fans, necessarily, that Fox and Sabonis do, obviously, as all-NBA guys. But Murray's proven that, he figures things out and he makes those adjustments and he's, he's, he's a king at that. So he's a Malik at that, you know, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So I don't know. I, but yeah, it's just, it'd be, it's something to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah. I mean, everyone's talking about the big jump for Keegan and I mean, he, he is playing well, so I don't want to say like he isn't playing great, but I mean, there's a lot of emphasis on him, you know, about this team and his next jump and how that's going to affect the team. And I, I don't, it's still so early on, but I was just kind of thinking about that last night. I just, I've not seen much of that next jump yet, but again, it's three games in and there's a lot of adjustments to do to make that. I mean, they're, they're, they're talking about a big jump from spot up shooter to a, an all-star talent player i mean not maybe not this year but building up to that you know it can take a lot so i think we talked about it at the beginning of the season like we i don't think either of us anticipate him like finding that groove like early this year like he might figure it out late in the year going into the playoffs and then really set himself up for maybe being an all-star in year three Mm. but you know I, i i think it's to me it just feels like he just needs to kind of balance that out take the shots that come to him but then allow that to open things up for him. Maybe then use a pump fake, get inside, you know, and do stuff like that. But you got to start with your bread and butter. And that's true. Again, just kind of balancing it out. I think he's he's figuring it out. And, you know, Mike Brown is instilling that in him, <laughs> giving him a hard time uh, after. I mean, obviously that hesitant kind of like he had an open shot with a small guy, I think, contesting on him. He should have taken that three. He He tried to dribble. He traveled. <laughs> so uh, Brown brings Vizenkov up to check in and then, you know, there's a defensive possession and the Kings come back on the next offensive possession and Murray hits a three. 
not only did Mike Brown sit Vizenkov down with Vizenkov in the bench thinking that was hilarious, but <laughs> I guess adding context to it, apparently after Murray hit that three, he turned to Mike Brown and said, F you. So, oh, really? <laughs> like, you know, playfully the way that obviously the, the culture that Mike Brown's kind of created here with his with a good locker room bond you know, among the among the team. I thought I thought that was cool. I mean, I just think I think that kind of like the little brother Keegan, you know. That is funny. I didn't even I didn't realize that. Did yeah. you did you lip read it or did you see a report? No, on he, Mike Brown said it after the game. He he told us. Uh, oh, that's so. funny. <laughs> it, was, it was funny. So he's figuring it out. He's he's he, you know I think again he made the in game adjustment. I expect him over the coming weeks to kind of figure it out. Again, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be a 16, 17 point per game scorer this season, but he can really set himself up for that and get on the right track. But, you know, Fox being injured, kind of going back to that, because I want to shift to another guy. Because, you know, you can make the argument that Keegan Murray is the third best player on the team. But I almost want to say, and I, I feel like I've wanted to say this for the most part of last season and in, in, into this season, but... I think very clearly Malik Monk is the third best player on this team. And what he did, I mean, he's like a mini Fox. Like, I think I said that earlier in this pod, but I mean, my goodness, Malik Monk is just a freaking monster, dude. And I mean, do you think, and I, I, I think the first three preseason games or were, were there five preseason games this year? So the first four preseason yeah. games, mm-hmm. the first four preseason games, he, he looked like terrible. I'm like, I don't know if I should start writing about Monk here, but then he turned it around, said he was kind of taking it a little too easy. And he's looked really good this year. I mean, he he holds his own on defense despite being a smaller guy. He hasn't, I don't think, allowed any backdoor gut cuts this season like he was doing in the first four preseason game. I think he did that like once or twice every of those first four uh, contests in the preseason. But, you know, he just, I don't know, man. I mean, he was the saving grace with Fox. You know, trying to play on a hurt ankle got worse and worse, and Monk's there. I mean, there there was no drop off, and I don't know—is Malik Monk the third best player on this team? I mean, yeah, right now, a hey, Barnes, I guess, right? Yeah, um, but I don't know, Barnes. I, I don't. I always don't. Never know how to feel about Barnes. Like, or am I just seeing third? Like, Barnes could be the third because it's Harrison Barnes. I mean, he's a good player, but I mean, sometimes I feel like he just doesn't show up. Except I bet Malik, I mean, that dude always shows up, right? And Except the times he doesn't because he's in the massive slump. He shows up, but he just can't hit. I mean, it, it, I feel like this has been the conversation, right? Like, if the dude's hot, then he's our third best player. If he's not, he can drop down to, like, outside the starters, right? I just feel like it just depends on how he's playing. Because he, he has that potential and obviously plays at it to be that third best player on the team. I mean, obviously, no one's going to outclipse Fox or Sabonis at the top. But, I mean, that third spot, I feel like it's always up for grabs. I remember last year at the beginning, it was Herter. And then it went to kind of, and then he kind of slowed down and then it was Barnes. And then we were like, well, maybe it'll be Murray. And now it seems to be Monk. I don't know. I just feel like that third spot, it's just... I just think it is always going to be changing when Monk goes yeah. cold because I don't know. History says he will. It's probably going to go to Murray or Barnes, and it's just going to keep switching. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But but right now it's Monk. Oh yeah, I mean he's been fantastic. Easy. I mean he's averaging thirteen point seven points per game, five point three assists, 
his three point percentage will come along. He's only shooting 35% right now. And even his field goal percentage is below 40%. But even with those poor efficiency ratings, he's killing it. And it was on full display, obviously, on, on Sunday against the Lakers. And especially in overtime, too, when they needed him with yeah. Fox hurt, you know. And that's what he can do. I mean, he's a clutch guy. I mean, he's a guy you want taking those shots and being on the floor in those situations. And I mean, that's invaluable in itself. Yeah, without a doubt. But I mean, in terms of getting off to a good start to be that sixth man of the year, at least a top three finisher in that, which he missed out on last year, despite, I guess he did score the most points, total points off the bench last year. I think they showed that stat in one of the games. I was like, I don't even think I knew that. I didn't either. Really? Yeah, I think he like in terms of total points scored as a bench player, I think he had the most. Who won? Who won six man? Tyler Hero. Was it was? Um, oh man, why am I blanking? It was. Uh, or was that two years ago? Brogdon, I think. I think it was Malcolm Brogdon. Mm. And then Emmanuel quickly finished second. Really? I think so. He he closed out the season really well. Yeah, yeah. And then Bobby Morris Jr. was third. Where where was? Oh, here was hurt, huh? Yeah. He won it the year before, I believe. Right. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Like, really? Yeah. Interesting. But, Sorry. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much all I got to say about Monk. I mean, he he deserves three games in. It's early, obviously, but he deserves all the credit in the world. Yeah. He always does. He's a great player. I mean, he's terrific. I mean, didn't Mike Brown say something about, like, if he only he was taller, he'd be an all-NBA guy? Yeah. I think he's like if you see he's six foot six foot seven he'd be all NBA but he's not, which is a shame. But I mean that's what makes him you know fun and lovable too. Is that he's what six three, doing these kinds of things. I feel like he's more like six one honestly. Yeah, I think but he, he's probably not six three. Yeah, I feel I like he's shorter than Fox. I think he's shorter than Fox. He might be listed at six three some places, but I think he's more like six one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, sometimes that just gives you that mentality, right? And that maybe not Napoleon syndrome, but just, you know, you got to work harder and you have to earn it a little more. And Monk's not afraid to do that. And he's, he's very shifty too, as a six foot one guy, great yeah. finisher, great shooter, great ball handler. I mean, I don't know. Could he do those things at six foot seven? It all changes. I mean, that's, that's obviously that's not a debate, but I mean, I think Mike, I think Mike Brown said that. I think he said that more for his defense though. Cause Mike Brown said after the game, mm-hmm. he's like, that's true. You know, Monk, like a lot of other guys, still has to lock in a little better on defense. But he said he and I feel like this is the first time he said this about Monk. He said this about Murray. He said this about Fox early on, and Fox has proved it. But it's like he said Monk can be a two way player in this league. And I mean, that's like that's a high expectation. But I mean, it's it's, it's something he can meet. But I felt like that was pretty surprising to hear Mike Brown say that. I mean, that's that's pretty high that's a high evaluation for a guy. And so he, he, he kind of, it seems like he almost kind of thinks of him as the, I mean, it's kind of between him and Murray, I guess, for the third best player in Mike Brown's eyes, but Murray's on his way to being that monk seems to be that now. And like I said, he's looked pretty good on defense. I think all of last season, he was a surprise to me of how good of a team defender and how much he was not a liability defensively. Cause I feel like in, within Charlotte, he was like terrible defensively. And I think again, in, in the, with the Lakers, you know, I feel like I read articles everywhere. They're like, yeah, Malik Monk was great. And he was arguably one of the best, most consistent players all year. But it's like, man, they got rid of like 
Contavious Caldwell Pope and other defensive guys. And it really hurt the team's defense that season that Monk was there in LA. And so like he came into sack and it was like, yeah, I don't know. Is he going to be as good as everybody expects him to be? Cause that defense, especially with a coach like Mike Brown, I mean, like that could really hurt his opportunities. And I mean, he's just, he's handled it well and he can obviously still make strides there. I think being such a small guy, it's going to be interesting. Can he stay, can he avoid nicks and bruises throughout the year and kind of stay fresh, which could obviously help his consistency. That'll be kind of something to keep an eye on, obviously, but man, Malik Monk means ki- Malik means king in Arabic. It's like Mark Jones doesn't call the first two games. First game back, <laughs> it, like in the, I think in like the second half, he's just saying it. I'm like, oh, there we go. That'll be the first of, I don't know how many games Mark Jones calls for the Kings, but uh, however many, that's the first of X many times. Yeah. <laughs> Although it's like sometimes I just keep thinking about it though. I'm like, yeah, Mark Jones isn't that bad. He's like when you take him as he is, it's the same thing as Kyle Draper. It's just like when you Draper. accept them for who they are, they're okay. But fair enough. Yeah, I, I still think every time I see Kyle Draper, all I see is that that uh, flex seal guy. Hi, <laughs> Phil Swift here. He does. We got the Titanic. We're gonna seal this thing up with flex tape. Dude. We're gonna sail across the Atlantic. And I'm bringing my friend Kyle Draper along. I'm bringing my boy Drapes. It's funny because, like, I think uh, they had Sasha Vizenkov. I think we'll talk about. They had him on, like, the TV broadcast post-game thing where he's, like, in the tunnel with the little headset on. Mm-hmm. And, like, <laughs> Draper goes, like, hey, Sasha, it's it's Matt Barnes and Drapes. <laughs> like, dude, like, stop. So I'm trying to push this agenda. You're the only one that calls yourself drapes. Come like, on, you talk to the guy. Be a professional. <laughs> <laughs> cracks me up. It really cracks Sachi's me up. Sachi's going to leave. He's going to go back to Greece. He's like, what no. is this? I don't, yeah. They don't take things seriously there. <laughs> it's very weird. Very weird. Like Kyle Draper's fault. <laughs> they fire Kyle Draper just to appease Sasha Vizenkov. <laughs> yeah. It's like after that little stunt you pulled, calling yourself drapes. I have a question. Is Kenny Thomas done? Is he? Oh my goodness! I, I mean, I haven't seen him. Yeah, I he's mean, always he's, liking our stuff, though. But I'm like, oh wait, like, are you on this stuff? I, I don't know if I there's I I don't know if I've ever looked into Kenny Thomas's contract situation with NBC Sports, but I mean, he just plays backup to Matt Barnes, and maybe because it's early in the season and the Kings have played. You know, you had opening night. That's a big game. You had the Warriors game. That's clearly a big game. And then you had the Lakers game, which was a Sunday game. So maybe there just hasn't been that opportunity for Barnes to take a day off and give Kenny Thomas a, some tread. But yeah, yeah I like, Kenny I was Thomas. just thinking about it. I think Kenny Thomas is funny. Cause sometimes I'm, I think he makes some good points, but there's just sometimes the way he talks. I'm like, is he, is he drinking? I don't know. So maybe that maybe the Kings or NBC Sports thought that too. I don't know. But yeah. I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's it's good entertainment value and he's not like a terrible analyst. I don't know if he's just quite up to par with Matt Barnes, who I really like. And sometimes I think Matt Barnes should be doing color commentary. No, he be great. not he necessarily any want shade to. on Katie Christensen, but I just like Matt Barnes a little a little better. I think Katie Christensen the best thing she does is when she talks about inside play because she was a big in the WNBA. Mm-hmm. So it's like she comes from experience there. 
But if I hear her say like, I think Keegan Murray's going to make a big jump this season, which she said like four times every game. It's like, you're not the only one that you, you <laughs> that's a pretty common. And most people think that like, <laughs> come on, Katie, you know, say something else, something else. What? Oh, <laughs> I thought you were testing like your audio or something. No, I did. I get. I got a little close to the mic. Maybe it's not, that way. I don't know. But no, about Katie. So like, yeah, we we get it. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, you know, <laughs> Katie Christensen, Katie C, Katie and Mark. Kate, you know. yeah, Katie, Mark, and Drapes. It's a little love triangle. Imagine. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I think both those men are married, but hey, man, you know. Yeah, you never know what happens behind scenes, I guess. All right. Well, enough with the workplace romance. Um, I'm going to ask you, who has been the most pleasant surprise this season? Hmm. Pleasant surprise. Um, I mean, honestly, three games in, it's hard not to say Sasha. A lot of like question marks around him. I mean, it's helped out in his case that Trey Laos has been out these first three games so far. And that really opened up the door for him to have an opportunity. He's been great. I mean, he's been hitting his threes at a high clip. His defense has been pretty decent. I mean, I don't think it's been awful. I mean, he's looked good out there so far. And I mean, after Mike Brown saying at the beginning that he might not have a place in the rotation. And again, once Trey Lyles comes back, who knows if he will. But, I mean, he's definitely made the case that he should. He's just been super solid, and I've really liked him so far. Yeah. In terms of the specific thing that's most pleasantly surprising about him, it's clearly the defense. He looked really solid on opening night. I think he had, like, two steals. I think he had a, another de- like few deflections in that game. I think he was holding his own decently in the Warriors game. Obviously, there were some moments where he closed out and gets blown by. You see that with Kevin Herter all the time. Those guys just don't have the best foot speed and athleticism. You're not going to be able to fix that. But in terms of putting yourself in a position to not necessarily be exploited, he's been pretty good. And even when teams try to exploit him, there's a lot of times where teams try to get a switch onto him or they see him on the ball handler and they, they try to go at him. And he does a pretty decent job. I think there were – I don't remember against who, but I think there were a few moments – in that Lakers game where he held his own on ball and he, he just looked, we keep talking about like that standard baseline on defense. Can you bring the one that's going to keep you out on the floor? And he's done that. And I feel like he's getting better and players are talking about how smart he is at knowing where to be. That's the key thing to minimizing the exploitation of your athletic deficiencies. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think, we talked about it a couple, maybe last week on the podcast. Like we expected him to do that, but I expected him to do that like in December, January. I didn't mm-hmm. expect it to be through the first three games. And like you said, clearly it's helped a lot that Lyles has been out with that calf injury. And, you know, I, I expect Lyles to get back in the rotation, but he's going to have to get back into game shape and everything like that. I mean, he's been, he's been out for a couple weeks now. So Vizenkov is going to keep riding and, you know, we might see more of that small ball five type stuff. And I think even they had, I think there was a moment after Sabonis fouled out where they put Vizenkov in there and they played a really small lineup and Vizenkov was technically the five. Now, obviously they didn't run with that for very long, but the spacing that that creates. And if you have him and Lyles out there or interchange him or whatever, I mean, that's just, 
that's just so good. And he's clearly such a good shooter. I mean, I think the three point percentage is 40% right now. I think he's taken 15 attempts, whatever makes that 40%. I guess I could do the math. Was that six? Uh, I'm going to guess six. Yeah. Six out of 15. I mean, he's, he's shooting. He's obviously rebounding and the defense looks solid. He's checking all the boxes and he's looked terrific. And yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I didn't necessarily expect that right away. And he looks comfortable too. You know, he looks comfortable, especially in that Lakers game. Like I feel like the first couple games, he passed up some open looks and, you know, maybe not trying to be, I don't know. He's like the Euro league MVP. And he's like, ah, no, like I'm okay. Taking a back seat. But I mean, you want him taking those shots. He's a great shooter. And I think in that Lakers game, he definitely wasn't afraid to jack him up. Uh, yeah. That I thought as shots he passed up in the first two games. So I was happy to see that too. I mean, his, he just, he looks like a great shooter. That release is incredible. His arc is incredible. His shot is just incredible. And he's making it at so far an incredible rate. So yeah, I love seeing him get a little more comfortable too. Yeah, and you can see the growth and the comfort on floor and on the. I mean, like he looks so comfortable with his teammates and whatnot. He looks like he's at home. Yeah, but I think in the Warriors game, like in terms of complaints about defense, obviously there's the fact that you know if he closes out hard on a guy, he's just allowing essentially an open door to that guy to pump fake and drive. But he's limited that to a certain extent. But then there was a moment, I think, in that Warrior game where he and JaVale McGee had a total miscommunication and left the middle of the floor open on a certain play. I don't remember the specifics of it, but I think like Vizenkov jolted out to go guard an outside shooter, and he and McGee didn't communicate for McGee to get back and kind of protect the backside, and it allowed an easy layup. But it's like, I mean, those kinds of things, if they're not happening very much, and it doesn't seem like they are, that's that's just stuff that's getting better. And so the improvement is it's there and I expect it to continue to get better. And yeah, I mean, if there's a, he, he fits the bill perfectly is in terms of being a pleasant surprise. So yeah, he's been great and <laughs> miles ahead of where I thought he'd be, at least defensively speaking. Yeah. So. Smart guy though. And he's a smart player and he definitely shows that he has a high basketball IQ, I think. Yeah, and a very good understanding of his place in the league and on the team. I mean, yes. we've seen that since his introductory presser. I mean, he's just very grounded. And I don't, I don't know. I have nothing bad to say about Sasha Vizekov. He's been absolutely terrific. Taking Chemezi Metu's number and just living, <laughs> up, living up to the name. Living up to Mezzi. Mezzi to Vezzi. Mezzi to Vezzi. Yeah, hey, Vezzi Mamba. More like living up to Jimmer's number. Number uh, seven white shooter, baby. The real number seven, Scalabissier. Scalabissier. I think uh, Darren Collison was seven in his time here. Okay. That's a little bit more respectable. Darren, Marin Darren Collison was the point guard of Sacramento Kings. It, For like that, a couple of years, I feel yeah, like. It was, it was a couple of years. That's what I was thinking. That's um, a, it's a time I forget about because I want to. Because <laughs> those weren't good times. Darren like, Collison. Yeah, your point guard of the future, Darren Collison. Darren Collison, you just can't, you know, he was he was that point guard of the Pacers teams. Now just getting on topic. With, like before they got really good, like as they were getting good and like in the late 2000s. And then they just shipped him off. And then George Hill took over. Did he go to OKC after that? Or I don't know. I think he went to the Mavericks. Actually. Darren Darren Collision. Darren Collision. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, Darren Collison, just an interesting guy. Yeah. He played two years ago. He's only 36. It's always weird looking up these guys. I'm like, dang, you're only 36? Like, you could technically be in the league still. Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't such a He went to Dallas, the Clippers, and then to the sack. God, he was in sack for three years. I remember we got Rondo. Because he went from starter to getting Rondo. And he's like, yeah, I think Rondo should be the backup. Yeah, of course you do. (laughs) Because he wanted to start. And then Rondo left, and then he's the starter again. And then he left. Did he say that? Yeah. Wow, that's just like... that. That is a... Place that up against this current team, and it's just like, man, the locker room is unlike any other Kings team in recent memory. Yeah, bond and and respect for one another, and healthy competition, and not toxic competition. Competition. So that's that's an interesting kind of side by side view there. It is. This, I mean, man, I I just like every time I look at the the team and like what they're doing, I'm like, dang, I really like this team, Monte. Monty, I always forget. I always Monty, forget, yeah. even when I'm saying it wrong. Monte, Monte. Well, you know what? Monte, it's like a little more swag to it. So when he's really killing it, you can call him Monte. Okay. Well, Monte McNair, you know, I just love how he constructed this team. And it's just, it's just, you know, I feel like a lot's falling in place right now. I don't know. I'm really excited. I think the Kings can, you know, we're just, I don't know if I'm getting off topic, but it's on the Kings. I, I don't know. I've been really impressed by them uh, the first couple games. So, yeah, I mean, I think they can do stuff this year. I think they can get out of the first round, second round. I mean, I don't even think Western Conference Finals out of the realm of possibility. I'm speaking very early here, but this team looks good. They look good, and the depth looks great. Hopefully, you know, barring any significant injuries, you know, I, I think this team has what it takes to make a deep run in the playoffs this year. I think so. I think it's definitely possible. It's a tough conference, but... I think the Kings are a big contributor as to why it's a tough conference. Can't, mm-hmm. can't, can't forget about that. Nope. But in terms of another kind of pleasant surprise, it hasn't been consistent through the three games, but it's been an upward progression through three games, particularly in the last game. But Kevin Herter, you know, he was the biggest concern, perhaps the biggest topic coming out of the preseason training camp. And you know, he did not look good in the first two games on either end of the floor. Obviously, his intent on defense has been there. Obviously, it was a matter of time that his shooting came around. I never expected him to just completely drop off and, like, lose confidence or have guys lose confidence in, him, in his shooting, especially this early. But there was a matter of time for him to get one to go down, and he obviously hit that clutch three with 30 seconds left uh, in the Lakers game that put him up five and essentially helped secure a victory there in overtime. And defensively, it's coming around. I mean, again, similar as with Vizenkov, there are certain things that you're not going to be able to work on. I mean, when he closes out on a guy, he's going to get beat. When he's one-on-one against really quick players, there's a good chance he'll get beat. But he's doing a better job of keeping his hands up, getting his chest on guys, and being that team defender, not just like a weak side defender that we saw him last year, but just being sharp and being decisive with where he needs to be. I think there was like a stop early in the game where he, you know, Barnes was on LeBron and similar to like Fox getting off to a good start after, you know, closing out the Warriors game and and, and being so good and, and being like, well, why didn't you bring that the whole game? Another thing that was interesting that really helped the War- Kings against the Warriors in that late part of that game was the fact they started blitzing and, and doubling and forcing disruption. I think the Warriors only scored 23 points in the fourth quarter. So... 
you know, the Kings came out and started using that against the Lakers from the outset. And Kevin Herter on a play came up with Harrison Barnes, blitzed LeBron, forced a pass. He gunned it right back down because I think LeBron passed it to like the free throw area where Torian Prince was. He drove into the middle. Had he put up a shot, he ended up kicking it out and they swung it to the wing. And I think Austin Reeves missed a three. Had Torian Prince, though, gone up at the layup, Kevin Herter would have had his second, what Mike Brown calls a rear view challenge block, which is, you know, a help contest that uh, basically is just the perfect kind of, it's, it's, it's an example of a type of block shot Mike Brown wants to see. You know, Kevin Herter would have had that. It just seemed like that example, other examples in the game, he just seemed way more in tune in working in that team defense, playing on a string. He just looks far more comfortable. And I think one of the biggest signs, because defense is a lot of different things. It's not just on ball. It's not just off ball and weak side defense, but it's also rebounding. And he had three rebounds in, in the overtime period, two of which he took from Anthony Davis. And I think on the second one, he fought off Davis and D'Angelo Russell from trying to, to get it. Just really strong rebounds. The type you like to see. He never let up his his effort on defense. So maybe it was also just a matter of time for him. But man, he really set himself on the right track on that uh in that game against the, the Lakers on Sunday. And it was just that's what you want to see. And you talk about the depth of this team, and we've we've talked about it before. Where it's like if, if Herder really falls off, plays himself out of the rotation, it's like, yeah, there's depth to pick it up, but it's like you'd like to have all the options be there. Mm-hmm. And that's just that 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 is another pleasant surprise for me. It's just kind of seeing Herder turn it around. I know it was one game. It'll be interesting to see what happens again against the Warriors. But that really sets him on the right course, which helps set the team on the right course. Obviously, if he's shooting well too, it's just like that's just all for the better, you know. And so, just a little on Herder there because he's gotten so much spotlight on him for the wrong reasons, and kind of deservedly so, honestly, and. So to see him kind of respond that way, and again, similar to Keegan Murray showing mental toughness at different points in his career, you'd like to see that from Herter. And he won defensive player of the game. And, you know, usually you see the guy when he wins the the chain, when they go out in the to, to meet with the media for their postgame presser, they're wearing it. And Kevin Herter didn't wear it. And that, to me, really spoke volumes because that said something about him knowing that the work's not done, that he can't just rest his hat on that, that he's got to continue to work and he knows that he has, he's got to get better. I think he said that he said, you know, you just kind of try to take the small victories throughout a long season and you have to basically, he didn't say this, but you really do have to continue to work and never give up and keep that discipline going so that you can really rack up those small victories. And I think that was a huge thing. I think that that said a lot about his mindset and his, his kind of, his discipline again going forward. So nothing but good things to say about Herder after that Sunday game. That was, that, that was really good. And it'd be interesting to see what he does throughout the next few weeks as he continues to integrate himself as a, as a good part of the team defense. I mean, if he can do that again, that can get you to that baseline of being a two way player, at least even if just a low tier two way player. So Kevin Herter, what a difference a week makes. Yeah, it was really great to see. Just a little note on Herder and just to kind of recap it, I guess, in my own sense. It was just really nice to see him, you know, have a good game. There was a lot of scrutiny on him surrounding him. And 
I mean, like we said, rightfully so. He didn't look good on defense. He hadn't felt like hit a three or it had been hitting a high clip at uh, from three for a minute. I mean, going deep in the earlier this year, I guess, or last season. Yeah, that's an important point. He was basically picking up where he left off in the playoffs, which is terrible. Yeah. And so, I mean, the, coupled with his bad defense, uh, you know, there's a lot of concerns over Herder. So it was nice seeing him in a big game last night against the Lakers, having a good defensive game, not having like the greatest offensive game, but I mean, he, he scored zero points against the Warriors. So, I mean, uh, it was a lot better. And I mean, hitting that big three at the end of the game to kind of like ice the game against the Lakers. It just felt like that's going to just build on his confidence. I mean, they're going to say shooters are going to shoot and they're going to have those cold slumps. And you know, you lose confidence during those times. And I think that's not only was hurt retired at the end of last year, but coming, going into this year, I think his confidence was just gone. I mean, that's just what happens. The, the, those touchy guys, those feel guys. And, you know, I think that's just going to do that made shot at the end of the game on Sunday, just going to do loads to help his confidence going forward. So I expect big things from Herder. not, not big things, but I think we're going to slowly kind of see Herder become that player that he was throughout most of the last year, or at least the early parts of it <laughs> until he started getting tired. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things that helps with that too, and I think we kind of touched upon this a few minutes ago, but it's like, well, that helps the depth of the team if Herder can stay in the starting lineup, stay at his kind of best form because Chris Duarte off the bench is just, that's such a nice weapon to have. I mean, he's such a hard worker on defense and I just think being able to throw him out there, kind of shift things up and, you know, have that extra defender out there. I mean, him coming off the bench, that's such a great weapon, you know? And so that keeps him there. That keeps everything intact the way it needs to be. The team is better because of it. That is just what the Kings were needing, you know? So good for Herder, good for the Kings. I mean, that 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 is such a good sign. Again, we'll see how it goes going forward. If you start screwing up on defense, you know, we'll be the first ones to be pointing it out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely. But, you know, I'll ask you about this if you if you have one in mind. I mean, there's not a lot of these guys because I think a lot of the guys are playing well. But a, a guy that's been a little disappointing, and again, it's three games in. I, I don't think he's like losing out on the defensive end and he's going to have like a down season there or anything like that. But I don't know, like Damian Mitchell, I think in his minutes has not been super good. And I think he had three fouls in Utah and I think he only had one foul against the Warriors. But he had four against the Lakers. and Yeah, like two quick ones too, I believe. Yeah, and you can kind of see it. Like I think on one in particular, he had his hand down and clearly on the guy. And it's just like, Davion, you know better. I mean, like you're the guy that you got the best combination of kind of being that ball of strength, using your chest, keeping your hands out you know, with fundamentals in mind. And it just kind of seemed like he lapsed there on a few of them. I mean, a lot of those fouls, I think there were maybe one that maybe was kind of like a ticky tack foul, but it's like the other three, it's just like, dude, come on. Like you're better than this. And I feel like it's kind of disrupted his rhythm and his impact on the floor. And I think he's only hit one, three, he hit one against, uh, I think it was the Laker game. Yeah. He hit one on Sunday. It's just like, I expect a little bit more from him. And we've talked about him coming in with more confidence and all that stuff. I mean, it'd be interesting to see, especially with Fox out. I mean, if he is in indeed out for Wednesday, which I mean, probably more likely than not is the case. Of course, Fox could play. I mean, if he gets his way, he probably would play, but 
you know, let's assume Davion Mitchell starts on Wednesday. I mean, that's almost a year, like a year. It's 366 days since the Halloween game in Charlotte. I mean, he didn't start that game, but Fox left it early. And Davion, I think, scored like 24 points or something and was terrific in that. And it really kind of, obviously, Davion Mitchell did not have like the greatest scoring season or even really the greatest, you know, offensive season as a whole last year. But it's like, you know, with that opportunity to start, it'll be in a similar way for Herter. It can really help him get things on the right track. And I think that's a huge opportunity that I'll be keeping an eye on because I, you know, I want to see Davion Mitchell try to, again, make that play to try to be more of an option late in a game. And that that happens, obviously, if he starts shooting better. But it's like he's got to get back on track defensively. He's obviously got – he's not, like, dropping off defensively. He's still the best on-ball defender on the team. Uh, but, you know, he, he, it's below his standard, I think, these first three games. Mm-hmm. So I think we'd all like to see from a pure basketball standpoint, and I think Kings fans would love to see for the betterment of the team, uh, Davion Mitchell kind of put that confidence that he's, he's brought this season, put it into practice essentially out on the floor. So that's something to definitely keep an eye on because, you know, if I had to say there was a disappointment this season, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be him. Yeah. I can't really think of anybody else. I know. I mean, other than, I guess, Herter, but that was already kind of like an obvious kind of going forward. You can't really be disappointed when, I mean, you kind of expected that the first two games, the way he had been playing. I guess you can say that, but he's kind of picked it up. Or, I mean, one game he picked it up. Yeah, at least as of recording this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Davion, you know, seems a little quiet so far. It hasn't really had a ways to affect games like he usually does, especially on the defensive end. So, yeah, I mean, good opportunity to get him going if he does get that start against the Warriors. I mean, I think he has. I think his career high is against the Warriors, his rookie year. I think he mm-hmm. dropped 30 against them. So, and I believe at the Chase Center as well. So, I don't know. It'd be a, I don't know. it'd be interesting to see, have him on staff, you know. So, but yeah, he he definitely has been a little disappointing, but far. I mean, even that seems like an exaggeration. It's just so early on, so far. It's nitpicking for sure. Exactly. <laughs> we gotta talk about something, Davion. Sorry. Actually, JaVale McGee batting that ball to LeBron James, basically hitting him like a leaker, you know? I know. I'm like, dude, just grab it. There have, been times, there have been some times, though, where JaVale goes for a block and leaves the backside open for either an offensive rebound or a dump off, and it's just like, dude, go vertical. You, you can yeah. do it. You don't have to yeah. chase the block. But he'll he'll figure that out. I'm sure Mike Brown's telling him that constantly. But JaVale's look good. And yeah, I like him, JaVale. Monk. It's so easy for Monk to just throw it up because that catch radius and leaping ability just. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the ultimate tight end right there. Dude, I mean, they had that alley-oop on um, against the Jazz. But how about, I mean, they've had a couple alley-oops. But the alley-oop against the Jazz kind of like kicked it off. But, man, how about Monk's dunk against the Jazz? <laughs> that was wild. That was, my, it was like one of the best dunks I've seen. I mean, definitely yeah. from him. And just oh yeah, I feel like he's tried that, but he usually misses. I feel like, but I'm like, damn, he actually he threw that one down. Yeah, I thought it might be like dunk of the year already. <laughs> that was pretty crazy. I'm that like, looks oh. so good. And like, <laughs> oh, what a way to start the year. And then Chris, he's they like, gave the the roar afterwards, and Chris Dunn pushed him, and yeah. 
I think Malik Monk said, said I'm done with you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was like one of those things where it's like, dude, you got dunked on. You made a fearless contest. Why don't you just live with that? Like, whatever. Like, that was a huge <laughs> dunk. But Malik Monk said it after practice on, I think, in between that game and the Warriors game. Because obviously the reporters asked him about it. And he was like, yeah, you know, I was happy the refs kind of let that chippiness go because that was good. And you saw like Duarte kind of mouthing off a lot, even the Dunn. And, you know, it's just, you like to see that fire. So that's true. That kind of like really, it threw a lot of, you see that commercial with like they're throwing purple in the, to light, to, to power the beam. No. You haven't <laughs> seen that commercial? <laughs> cheesy Darren Fox and DeMontis Sabonis commercials. Oh, like this year? Yeah, they were like basically trying to cover for the fact that they don't have purple jerseys this season. I mean, I guess yeah. they have that half purple, half black jersey that looks good. Hey, when are they going to wear that? I hate uh, that one. No, I haven't seen that one. What the heck? Yeah. Um, it's on, what the it's hell? It's on Comcast, or it's on uh, how NBC, Sp- I yeah, see, NBC, NBC Sports. I see NBC Sports? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, they wow. Got, they got a power of the beam, and it's this guy like shoveling purple stuff into a thing. It's kind of, it's a silly concept. I think it's funny. I mean, it's better than some of the commercials last season. I'm kind of sad I haven't seen it yet. I don't know yeah. why I haven't. I don't know if, I feel like I get the same four commercials. It's the freaking Wingstop commercial. No, see, you said that. And I'm like, I don't get Wingstop commercials. I don't know. I watch on YouTube TV, so maybe it's a little different or something. Maybe, do you get the Amazon one with that guy like doing the um, like jumping into the lake doing a belly flop? Oh, I've seen that a few times. I don't really. That's like I get that like twice. There's always those commercials you get like twice in time. It used to be like Pizza Guys, then it was like Honda. Now I feel like Northwest. You get those. Or Lexus of Stockton. <laughs> Just a short drive right off I-5. It's like, that's not a short drive. Like, shut up. <laughs> Lexus of Stockton. I know for real. Stockton. Get out of here. Stockton by Lexus. That Wingstop commercial just drives me with nuts. who what, what's in it i don't I it's just know like that. these these young people like doing donuts in like a parking lot and it's got this really annoying music and it's just like i don't know and then he's eating and then he like they're doing donuts and then he spins and they're all of a sudden in the living room and he's eating like a chicken sandwich i don't know it's dumb it's like put okay. me on some and it's like that's the song like, oh yeah okay i have seen it i guess they oh usually God. just tune out I feel the like it's on, and they play it like two times a freaking quarter that's so annoying. I'm just like, ah, I have to mute it. I'm like, this is this is hurting my brain. Like, I'm losing IQ points listening to this and seeing Well, this. that's like that Amazon one. It's just like this playing like, ooh, la, la, oh, we, we, or whatever it's saying. It's that, uh, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. if I feel like I tuned, I feel like that one's so subdued. It's easy to tune out. Uh, they're like, all, like, I mean, the guy like shaves his chest with like a laser. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, that one. Icy water. Yeah, I yeah. feel like that's such a. Like a it's lame, Amazon. lame one. Yeah, I guess it is. They're all lame. Well, it's I just well, terrible. Whenever I have buddies over to watch the game, it's we always play the commercial game. There's only six commercials they play on repeat, and if you your commercial gets chosen first, you win, and everyone else has to drink. That's about it. But that's how I like learn the commercials because we just, just make a game out of it. Because there's like literally six. It's just the same ones. Yeah, the Wingstop one. Yeah, the song now reminds me. <laughs> I guess. Oh, I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm like, good, 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 because it drives me freaking nuts. I'm like, oh my god. What about you? But you have seen Northwest. Oh yeah, the uh, the guy like the, the uh, 
The guy that sounds like a South Park character. (laughs) His dog. He sounds like he's almost like running out of breath or something. He's like, something like this. Northwest. Is it the roof repair? Is it? I think it's windows. Windows. Simply the best. Trust Northwest. It's like the dog at the end. He's like chewing. (laughs) They're like trying to make it look like he's like sane. Trust Northwest. But he's like clearly chewing on a treat or something. He's like the classic thing of having peanut butter in his mouth. (laughs) I love it though. I mean, in, in that guy's defense, if I ever needed windows, I'd probably call him. Hey man, I'll just I'm getting windows. You, yeah, call him up. Call him if up he comes to, you know, the day. Yeah. <laughs> it's the northwest, right? We're totally in the northwest. Dude. We're in California freaking here. Yeah. Like, yeah, I guess. Are we, is it are we considering northwest? No. <laughs> what do we yeah, consider? Just the west? The west coast. The west coast, baby. The, the West Coast guy. is the best coast. But that Northwest guy totally sounds like a South Park character. It's ridiculous. He's like, yeah, he's funny. <laughs> That's why I love him. I like I like those local commercials. I miss Pizza Guys too. They do they do commercials still? No, they do like they they just have a sponsorship for something on the broadcast. Like there's something something Pizza Guys delivery of the game or something. Oh, but they've always had that. Yeah, but they I don't think I see a lot of commercials for Pizza Guys. I mean, maybe there's one a game, but it's not memorable. It's no Ben Macklemore. Ben Ma- or that one where that guy's like going to the hotel like we don't do that here you remember that one i don't think so i don't i'm thinking i've seen that in a different context <laughs> not a not a commercial on cable tv uh okay it's pretty great i'll send it your way because i have oh, it great. i just have it downloaded on my phone just just in case and just you for know these moments just for these moments it was a classic yeah. Well, if you're listening out there, you got your banter, but we squeeze it in here at the end. So yeah, appreciate us, please. Yeah, yeah, appreciate us. But I mean, I guess that's really it. <laughs> the banter over. Is there anything else you want to add in? No, I'm just interested to see what happens. Taking on the Warriors again, and then they play again when Saturday or... against somebody. I don't remember. I don't have my phone on me right now. So. Right here, let me just look it up. But yeah, I mean, that is good news for Fox, considering he might miss some time reported by Shams or Shams or uh, however you pronounce his name. We will figure that out and say it ne- right the next time. But <laughs> I think we've we, said that the, like the last few times. We've yeah, played. and we never done it. Uh, but we play the Rockets, who are 0-3 at this exact moment as we record this. So, I mean, the Warriors game, like maybe he'll sit out. But then, you know, they're off till Saturday again. And that's an easier game, per se. So, I mean, it's a good – I mean, it's never a good time to get hurt, right? But, it's, I mean, relatively, it's a good time to get hurt for Fox. Two games this week. Like I said, it's a moderate ankle sprain. I mean, he came back in the game. Uh, and, yeah, like, Brown took him out. I just don't see him missing – I mean, the report was that he wasn't going to miss significant time. But I, I really don't see him missing like two weeks because of this. I can see him maybe sitting yeah. out these two games. And I I wouldn't even be surprised if he played Wednesday against Golden State. I mean, they're probably going to try to protect him a little more. Uh, kind of like that foot injury last year, right? Where he kind of played on it. Yeah. But so I could, I could still see him missing like maybe these next two. But it's a good week to get hurt. Not a lot of games. And then they play after that on Monday against the Rockets again. <laughs> Why do they so, do that? What the heck? Is that? Are both those at home? No, they're both away. They're both away? I hate that. And then they play Wednesday at 8 p.m.? What? Yeah, they, what? They 
playing in like Alaska? No, it says seven. It says eight on Bleacher Report, and then like I click on it, and it says seven. So I was thinking, like, what? That's weird. Because yeah, all those Kings fans in Iowa. I mean, yeah. You know, yeah, for real. Guess, but, yeah, that's such a time zone. And they're 0 and 3 too. <laughs> so I mean, it's a good it's a good time to get hurt. It is. It is. It's so, I mean, yeah, I mean if he sits out the next 2 weeks or week and a half, I mean, the Kings could still easily go 3 and 1. So, not a bad time to get hurt Fox get well. We definitely don't want that aggravating injury like that foot injury that lingered too long and he, you know, his play declined last year. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely don't want that again, but I know he's a tough guy. It's an ankle sprain. It hurts. But, I mean, we saw him play on it. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Good big game Wednesday. See if they can get their revenge. But that's it for me, John. What do you got to do to wrap this thing up? I don't know. I, I just I, I encourage everybody to look up side-by-side Kyle Draper and uh, Phil Swift, the uh, flex field guy, and uh, get back to me and get back to us. Do they look the same? We, you know, That's a pressing question. You just need to do like a little short for YouTube and just have their two photos. Do Phil Swift and Cal Draper look alike? I bet I'll get some, get some yeah, comments. Probably, you probably get like 80 views. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please subscribe to YouTube as we always beg for your subscribe uh, to the newsletter. Check out the shop, you know. Yeah. Give us some love. Give us some love because we love you. We do. We love all of you and we love each other. Yeah. So on that note, I think that's all I have to say. On that note, we'll talk to you next week. And until then, have a good one.